Thank you very much. Uh, good to see you men. Uh, noticed that when I was here last time that there are some new people, people I haven't seen before, and that's always good to pick up new people as hopefully uh, others have grown to the point that they're able to go and do otherwise. That would be a great thing. It's called discipleship. And uh, don't get this way as much as I used to. Uh, life gets uh, lots going on. And uh, something very exciting that uh, hopefully will be happening in the next couple of weeks or a month or so. So we'll see. My uh, slot this time is on um, stewardship and generosity. And uh, last week I heard you, um, the speaker, talking about giving and um, gave me a good launch off for what I want to talk about uh, today. Um, Most Christians associate the terms stewardship and generosity for the most part exclusively money. When you... When the pastor stands up and announces there's going to be a stewardship campaign, everybody knows that means money. That he's going to be talking about either the fact they're not given enough, or not given any, and uh, they're going to have to put up with six weeks of being badgered into being better givers, of which usually you get a couple of weeks or a month out of them, and then they go back pretty much to their habit. If you look in the Bible, you will discover that the term stewardship um, steward uh, does not involve money primarily. In fact, uh, you will not find a single verse in the Bible that uses the word stewardship uh, as the noun um, as referring to money because it does not. It occurs in the Bible four times, and in all four places, depending on what translation you're using, um, it refers to your faithfulness to, uh, well, it only refers to Apostle Paul first. It's only used in connection with the Apostle Paul and his having been entrusted with the gospel and his responsibility to be effective in its dissemination. The term steward equally uh, only occurs in the New Testament as it relates to uh, two things. Number one, it refers to um, the spreading of the gospel. Your job, Paul says, is to be faithful in communicating the gospel. You ought to be good stewards. Peter uh, also uses this term. In 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 10, he uses it uh, rather interestingly, which I wanted to reference for you. Above all, this is verse 8 of 1 Peter 4, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift Use it to serve one another, stewards of God's varied grace. Uh, The word varied, we get our word um, uh, thesaurus, Uh, um, a thesaurus, varied grace. In other words, you have received a spiritual gift, at least one, uh, from God, and you ought to be a good steward of that gift. 
So the use of the term stewardship or the term steward in the New Testament is exclusively limited to two things. Either your commission to be a gospel spreader or your reception of a gift, a spiritual empowerment, and God is expecting you to be faithful in its implementation. So today, the most important question you need to be asking yourself is, number one, do I have a spiritual gift? The answer is yes. You should know what it is. Over the years, you should have sharpened it, prepared it, skilled it, used it so you can be most effective in it, and you should be employing it in your local church. Those are the, really the three questions that are most probative today. It is not what you do with your money. You need to know that God has very little concern about you and your money. He does not need it. In fact, he, he didn't ask you for it except as a gift back to him. Now, some people seem to me have the idea that God is sitting up there in heaven, scratching his head, trying to figure out how he can get you to give more to his work. Really? I can guarantee you that is not true. He could take it all or any part of it anytime he wants to. But you, you, you misunderstand if you confuse the word steward, which was originally a slave whom the master entrusted with the management of his house. And it meant the whole house, everything in the house, usually except, of course, um, his wife. You could play with everything else, but you couldn't do that. Money was usually least of what he was concerned about. It usually referred more to the people that were in his house, his other slaves, making sure that they did what they were supposed to do, as well as making sure that they were not stealing anything from him. Next week, we're going to talk about what the Bible talks about, which is treasure. Now, we use the word stewardship to mean supposedly how you spend your money, what you spend it on, whether you're supposed to be saving some, ba-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, the Bible actually uses the word treasure. And next week, we're going to actually look at what the Bible prides when it comes to treasure. But you need to know what it doesn't pride. Now, if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 6. I want to look at Matthew 6, chapter 19. Uh, chapter 6 verse 19 in your Bible I have the ESV it says do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also I'm always uh, impressed with people in terms of how they translate the Bible. Verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, the passage is very simple. It's very straightforward, except when it comes to translating it, people get a little uncomfortable. The translators do because it makes them nervous about what it actually really says. Now, in the... Um, in the Net Bible, um, which is an online Bible, it says, Do not accumulate for yourselves treasure. The Holman translation says, Don't collect 
for yourself treasures on earth. The problem is that in the Greek it uses, which it often does, the noun and the verb are the same word. So don't treasure treasure is how it literally written in the Greek. Now, unfortunately for us, that word doesn't come across very communicable. Don't treasure treasures. And it has a little word on the front of it, which means don't pile it up. The the right way to translate this verse is do not amass wealth. Anything that can rust, anything that you can, someone will break in to steal, or that the moth... Uh, can devour. Now, what are those categories? Well, obviously, he says, if a moth is interested in it, it's cloth of some kind. Then usually they had very expensive uh, regalia that they would dress in, uh, robes, uh, stuff like that, which is what moth would be particularly delighted in chewing on. says, don't have a lot of them. Don't have so many that you would not be able to wear them regularly, of which the moths would devour. Very simple. He says, do not Pile up, don't pile up, don't amass uh, wealth that rusts. Now, what rusts? What kind of money would rust? Well, it would be, usually it would be coins. They, they used coins, they didn't use paper money like we have today. Their money was always made of some kind of coin, and it would, in fact, rust. And the third thing he says, don't pile up stuff that's Thieves would want to break in and steal. Now, the text is not playing funny games with you. It simply says, do not amass wealth. If it involves that which the moth is attracted to, that which rush, or he says, that which thieves can break in, steal, and destroy. So now, if that's literally what it says, and it is, Take my word for that. You have one of two storages. You can either store it on earth or you can store it in heaven. So what is valuable to you is determined by where you store it. Now, I guarantee you, men, you can work all of your life. And I guarantee you, you will not store one dollar in heaven. I promise you will never carry you can't send it ahead you can't take it with you and you can't come back and get it heaven is no bank for money you'll never have one dollar there no one will ever break in there and steal anything in heaven I guarantee you so what is God saying to you he's saying your treasure is a symbol of your heart which is a symbol of your storage Where you store it determines what it is. Heaven is only interested in spiritual stuff, which, by the way, is the only thing that you can send up there. Now, of these things, it cannot be carried with you. It cannot be sent ahead. You cannot take it with. There's a treasure in heaven, and there is earth, and it's deplorables. Never have more. You should never have more in storage on earth than you do in heaven. Now, what what that means is that your goal on earth is to do a whole lot of giving away. A whole lot of giving away. 
One thing I love to do is to go to uh, garage sales. I love garage sales. Not because I'm going to buy anything, because I usually don't. Um, I just like to see what people are unwilling to give away free that they'd even get a quarter for. <laughs> it just, just amazes me to no end. We simply can't give it away. We'd rather sell it even for a quarter than to give it away. The Bible has the concept that, listen, God is far more interested in your giving away stuff than he is you amassing it. You know why? Because the more you amass, the less you believe in him. God is no fool. He knows that money will always be an issue for us. Therefore, we should be in the business of giving. No one has ever had more on earth than he had in heaven, and God was pleased. So if you want to talk about stewardship and generosity, you're talking about the spiritual avenues of life, not the physical. Physical is only a concern for Westerners, people who are here in the West. You go to Africa and Asia, that's not a problem, believe me. People are not sitting around. You need to, You need really got to be better stewards of your money. Which most people would say, if you give it to me, I will definitely be a good steward. I promise. That is not their concern. That's a Western concern, primarily because we've been made to believe that we're going to be okay if we have physical wealth. When I studied the Old Testament on this, I was struck by the fact that God never gave anybody anything permanent except land. He never gave anybody anything permanent except land. And he never asked for it back. It's the only thing. When God brought Israel into the land of Israel, he gave every person land. And he never asked them to give that back to him. In fact, he put a law in that no one could ever take it from you permanently. You could let someone have it under management for up to 49 years to the year of Jubilee. But at the year of Jubilee, you had to give that person their land back. That land was yours in perpetuity. As long as they were faithful, they would have lived on it unfaithfulness caused them to be distracted but the land is still there and in fact the only future inheritance that they have is their piece of physical land he'll never ask you to give it back he'll never ask you to give it up he'll never ask you to sell it he'll never ask you to do anything with it other than to be the place where you ought to live so if you want to amass something by land god will never ever complain about your land now how much of course do you need well you certainly don't need fifty thousand acres that's probably not a good idea. But you should have some, and it should be yours, and you should own it. The Bible has no, has no concept of you not owning your own land. So my point today is this. You, if we're thinking purely in terms of Western philosophy, then we're not biblical. Because the Bible has no concept and no idea, no desire in seeing you amass wealth. You'll have to decide what is wealth. Because we like to play with terms, and we also like to be satisfied ourselves. So we will play these word games with, well, wealth is relative. Yeah, only if you want it to be. At the end of the day, when you lay down and go to sleep at night, what are you worried about someone taking from you? What are you worried about them stealing from you? What are you worried about them 
taking out of your confines. When the Bible says, do not treasure up, do not build up, do not amass, it's talking about your ability to not be deceived in heart. I um, used to collect $2 bills. And uh, I was looking for $2 bills with certain serial numbers because they were more valuable. And I had amassed a good number of them. And I, I, I love the idea of rolling money in a roll and putting a rubber band around it. It's just something I did. And I had a, a favorite hiding place that I would hide them uh, so hopefully no one would ever steal them. And uh, we moved. Um, in fact, uh, we moved to Florida from Michigan. And we had the moving company come in and pack up the house. And they came in, they packed up everything for us, put it on a big van, and they drove it from... Uh, Holland, Michigan, all the way to Winter Garden, Florida, just south of the village, one, um, one mile. I never even thought about it. Well, after all, it was hidden in my favorite hiding place. No one could ever find it unless they were moving. And to be fair with you, we moved. The truck got here on a Friday, and I left Saturday for Africa for two weeks. Um, I didn't have to help my wife unload stuff because the, the movers were going to unload all the stuff, and plus my wife, that's her, that's her game. So I leave that to her. Put it wherever she wants it, and then I know it's where she wants it. I came back two weeks later, and I just thought about the fact that um, my $2 roll, I hadn't looked at it to be comforted by the fact that I had it. And I went and looked and it wasn't there. And of course, immediately I suspected my wife had took my money. Uh, woman, where is my money? I don't know what you're talking about. My, my $2 bills that I had rolled up so nice with a rubber band. I don't know. I must tell you that I was sorely disappointed that they had took my money. That was my special, special money. Of course, you couldn't. What could I? I couldn't accuse anybody of stealing because I don't know who took it. They they said it's my responsibility to make sure anything valuable I had taken care of. I left it in my favorite hiding place, and they took my money. I know, I've never forgotten it. I'd always hoped that the guy would feel guilty because I'd been praying that God would... I prayed that God would strike whoever had it with guilt so deep that they would just bring it back. Yeah, that was in 2001. It's still hanging, buddy. It's, uh, still hanging. God is really just not concerned much about that, my friend. He's much more concerned about your heart and whether it is totally devoted to him. 
and anything that gets in the way of your devotion to him, he would want you to displace and put away. And in the Western culture, wealth is a displacer of God. It will move him out of the number one spot in your heart. It will move him out of the number one spot of your behavior. It will move him out of the number one spot of your mentality. Do not pile up treasure on this earth if moth, rust, and thieves are concerned doesn't say that you're not to save money to make sure that you can retire, make sure that you can live without begging. In fact, the best philosophy I've found is this. God, don't give me too much that I'll forget you. And don't give me too little that I'll have to beg. That's the philosophy of Matthew 6, 19 and 21. God's more interested in your stewardship of what he gave you not what you have amassed on earth. Father, these are men. Men have responsibilities. In this room are men who have responsibility for their wives and their children to provide for them and to make sure that they're not so wealthy that they will forget you, neglect you, think so little of you, and not so little that they will steal, beg, or have to borrow. I hope that you will help each one of us as men to be not only responsible, but to be conscious that our efforts ought to be good stewards of what you have given us. You gave us the gospel. You gave us a gift. Those are the treasures worthy of our devotion. I pray that you would commit our hearts to that today. In Christ's name, amen. Now, just in case you're a man here and you have never, you don't know what your spiritual gift is, you've never looked, you've never learned, there are online gifts assessors if you if you are a new christian even if you may be new to christ and maybe you never really found out what your spiritual enablement is god you were born with natural talent and you've also been given a spiritual gift by god through the spirit at the point of salvation you should find out what your gift is you should analyze it you should find out how to make it better and you should utilize it in your local church those are the three most important things I want you to get away with today, and those are the questions that are on for discussion. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Coop. Will you guys join me in thanking Coop? Uh, table captains, can you slip a hand up just so you can be identified? I think we have a few tables this morning that do not have a table captain. Uh, Jesse, can can I pull from from you? Um, can you guys keep them up just so I can see what tables do not have a table captain? Awesome. Jesse, would you mind coming and leading this table here? And um, I think we can consolidate a little bit. I don't know if, if Scott, maybe you, just you two can maybe kind of come and join Spirit and Truth here. And I think I think that makes every table with a table captain. Awesome. Thanks, guys.
Hey, Coop, before... Dr. Coop, before we actually begin the table talk, can, can I dialogue with you just for a second related to the difference between a spiritual gift and a natural gift? What's the difference between the two? Spiritual gift, talk about that just for a second, because I want to be real clear as the table captains have this dialogue related to a spiritual gift versus a natural gift. Yeah, natural gifts are usually detailed as that which you were born with. The gift, of, for instance, music, if you have a natural, innate, born ability to either hear music in your ear, write music, play music, natural. It's a, God, it's a natural ability you were born with. You don't have to be a Christian. You can function very well in it and do extremely well. The Apostle Paul in chapter 13, 14 of, of uh, Corinthians talks about the spiritual gifts. And the spiritual gifts usually have to do with your function in the body of Christ. How you're going to employ your God-given ability having to do with either serving in the body of Christ, either as a deacon or as an elder or in some capacity as that, or in teaching, usually in some dissemination of the gospel, either as a prophet or as a teacher. Now, your God-given ability is something that you come to recognize only after salvation. You will not be aware of it, had no idea, had no inclination. In fact, you didn't have the ability. That's before salvation. Uh, after salvation, the Spirit of God usually allows you to know about it if you go seeking to understand it. Natural abilities have to do with those that all people in the world can do. If you see an unbeliever engaged in something and he does a profoundly great job at it and you know he's an unbeliever, it's a natural gift. It's a natural enablement. If it's in the spirit of God, it can only be the product of the spirit having produced it in your life, not of man. So what are some of the spiritual gifts? Just to kind of begin the conversation. Which is always good. Turn to the book. And if you have not uh, done a self-gift uh, enablement, then it's something that you definitely should do because you're missing your opportunity to serve uh, faithfully in the body of Christ. Concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. Unfortunately, they are. First Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter 12, you know that when the pagans who were led astray to mule idol, however you were led, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. That's how you know you're saved. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are variety of services gifting to serve or gifting to speak. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone to each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good to one is given through the spirit utterances of wisdom uh, spiritual enabled wisdom is one gift to another the utterance of knowledge special words of knowledge that come through the spirit according to one another faith uh, this is a supernatural faith to another the gift of healing uh, which is a empowerment by the Spirit to another, the working of miracles, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits, whether they're good or bad, various kinds of languages to another, to others are given the ability to interpret these. All these are empowered by the Spirit given by God. So you, the list involves those activities which you do for the body. 
the ability to communicate truth in various forms or ability to serve the body as a deacon or as uh, as an elder or as a speaker, as a prophet, etc., etc. Those are the kinds of gifts which clearly are very distinct from natural abilities. You're, if you are an accountant because you love numbers and you can memorize numbers and you can retain them in your head as if you almost have a photographic memory, natural ability. Uh, God does not give anybody the gift of accounting. That is a natural, in the sense that it's a spiritual gift. It can be a natural gift, of course, but not by the spirit. Make sense? What if the guys at the table, as they're having conversations, say, I have no clue what my spiritual gift is? How- well, that's why I suggest you, there are many online assessments. You can actually Google and go on spiritual gifts. There are assessments online, and you answer usually 60 to 70, 80 questions based on the truthfulness of your answer. By the way, you have to take it more than once because we tend to answer the first time what we want to have um, and then the next time we tend to be a little more truthful, okay? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that's the way it works. Yeah, you know, pride is a, is a dangerous thing. I've been wanting the gift of healing. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Most people want the gift of prophecy or they want the gift of, uh, you know, the more extravagant one, the more brilliant. Uh, nobody likes to carry out the peapot, okay? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the greater gifts, everybody wants those, but nobody wants to serve in the Lord. But, uh, <laughs> you go online and you can do an assessment and, and you should do it more than once even if you, you think you know what your gift is it doesn't hurt to actually do that assessment uh, more than once three, four, five times because you can actually uh, more specifically uh, hone in on uh, the gift assessment one of these days I'd love to talk about the gifts and how, how they actually function in the body and how you can utilize it to your fullest because that is what God is going to want to know about when you stand before him is what did you do with what I gave you um, and one of the primary ones of course is going to be your spiritual giftedness to for the service of the body of Christ awesome um, it also speaks on, on some, some are given more than one right yeah, some are. Uh, I do. I have more than one. Um, I have natural ability. Uh, speaking is natural to me. I could speak. I don't have to be a Christian to speak. I just know how to articulate, articulate and uh, enunciate and emotionally rouse a crowd. I, I could do that when I was in this when I was six years old. With my mother, I, I learned how to manipulate her very effectively, <laughs> just, by, <laughs> just by talking to her. <laughs> uh, but when I became a believer, um, and God then enabled me through the power of His Spirit, um, He gave me the the gift of discernment, and I have the ability to discern things about people without them ever saying anything to me, and I. In fact, I can be asleep, and I will, I will know things, and I'll wake up, and I know it. Um, and I can call the person, and I can ask, and it will be confirmed, which spiritual gifts, you have to exercise them with caution because sometimes sometime I know something that I don't tell you. Because I know you can't handle me telling you that. Um, 
I, I woke up one night and I was I, very clearly I understood something was going to happen to somebody and I called them about it, which is why I learned wisdom. You have to have wisdom. You can't always tell people everything you know spiritually uh, because she responded in fear rather than faith and confidence that God had given her something for her to prepare for rather than to be so afraid of that she didn't want to live another day. So you gotta be you gotta be careful stuff like that. So yeah, I wanted to flush this out because this is a difficult conversation because I meet men all the time just talking about their natural gifts. And I, I have guys that are 50, 60, sometimes 70 say, I have no idea what I'm good at. And they live their whole life. And that's probably some of us in this room. So now we're transitioning, talking about spiritual gifts. So I know this is going to be a difficult conversation, so I just wanted to kind of flush it out. Know. You may have never even, you may never, you, your church may have not taught on it. Your pastor may not have ever taught on it. You may have heard it somewhere in a passing, but you've never really tried to find out, okay, what has God enabled me supernaturally to do? Which you should because that's where your primary function in the body of Christ is should be headed. You should be functioning in your natural God-given ability, but you should also be functioning in your spiritual capacity. So much of the body of Christ is weak and is missing because so many believers are not functioning in this uniqueness that God specifically gave them for the body. Amen. And so the body is weak, it's, uh, it's unable to function, and people are not serving in their capacity. So we think only in terms of, you know, somebody got to, you know, mop the floor, somebody's got to carry out the trash, someone's got to turn the, Yeah, that's, but that's really on the physical realm. It has nothing to do with the spiritual arena. And if God has given you a spiritual gift that needs to function in the body and you're not functioning in that body, then that means your body is weak because you are not there to fill the link where you fit in the body. Okay? It's, very, it's very important. I, don't, I, I didn't have time today to go into all that because I didn't know how much time I had, but I, I would have loved to have done that. Or maybe we can do it later. If you guys, <laughs> next week. Yeah, next week. If you guys figure out, if you can't figure out what your gift is, then we certainly need to help you. Uh, yes. you, you. You don't want to go through life. It, it's like it would be the same thing as being married and not know that all of the stuff that comes with being married. Can, can you imagine that? You got married, you, have, you, have, you don't have a clue what goes with it. It's been 10 years and you haven't figured out anything above the head. I mean, that would be terrible, wouldn't it, boys? Yeah, you just did the wow. That's the way a lot of Christians in the body are. They just haven't. They haven't.